The indie author revolution has been around for more than a decade, but we indies continue to push the boundaries of what we're capable of. From getting over initial prejudices to staring down perfectionism and author imposter syndrome, we've become a force to reckon with. Indie authors now wear more hats than ever as we strive to create a career full of meaning, prosperity, and potential. We've juggled the demands and continue to be rebels in the face of adversity. Now, after years of hearing the shouts of hustle and grind, we indies are rebelling again. Gone are the days of publishing a book a month until we drop, and in its place are the seeds of a better way to rapid release. A way that feels incredible as we build a sustainable, lifelong author career that not only increases our visibility and royalties, but it's all done with intention and ease. If you're ready to buck the system and become the visionary authorpreneur I know you're meant to be, you've come to the right place. I'm Carissa Andrews, international best-selling indie author, and this is the Author Revolution Podcast. Well, hey there, my friend. Welcome back to the Author Revolution Podcast. I hope you've had a fantastic week. We are dead center in the middle of Preptober, so it's been an interesting one for sure on this end. Last week, we wrapped up the Plan Your Series Challenge, and oh my gosh, guys, it was just such a fun week of getting ready for planning our series, getting ready for NaNoWriMo. Oh, I love this time of year. I absolutely adore it. And with the way that I'm actually making zero progress on ruins, I better get my butt moving. And I'll probably take part in NaNoWriMo because, ha, I'm going to need it. All right, so this week's podcast episode is pretty special. I'm so excited and thrilled to have not one, but two special guests who are coming onto the podcast today. We are going to be speaking with Alicia Radis and Megan Linsky. They are USA Today bestselling authors. They're in the middle of launching a really awesome series. It's a box set anthology of their, their books. It's going to be on sale. They're list aiming it. They're trying to get on the USA Today bestsellers list. No, not trying. They are going to be on the USA Today bestsellers list. They have willed it. They are manifesting it. So it is. (laughs) But we're also talking a lot about manifestation, what it looks like when you're someone who has a mental illness or a disability. Can you still manifest during or with those types of things going on in your life, right? Because I think that's something that not many people really think about. Like, can everyone manifest? Little pro tip. Yes, of course, everyone can. (laughs) We're doing it all the time, every single day. But it was an interesting conversation and dialogue about what does that look like? And how does it impact your life? How what kinds of things happen to be a little bit different if you have a disability or if you've got a mental illness, that's also in the mix of your perceptions and your ideas of what it is that you're trying to bring into the world. It was a super cool conversation. In addition, both of them were featured in Right to Riches, which is the new book by Renee Rose that's coming out, I think this week, actually. So it was really cool and fun to talk to these two ladies about manifestation, about law of attraction, and about how they found each other, which was a really interesting and cool story. So without further ado, I'm going to lend it over to the two of them. We're going to have a great conversation. You're going to love this podcast episode. So let's get moving. Well, Alicia, Megan, welcome to the Author Revolution podcast. I'm so thrilled that you guys are here today. 
And I've discussed a little bit in the introduction about how we met and what I know about you guys, but why don't you introduce yourselves and tell my audience a little bit about who you are and what you write? We are, we write college age paranormal and fantasy books. We are USA Today bestselling authors, and we've both been doing this for a while. What do you want to know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, that's awesome. So how long have you been writing? How long has this process been going on? Um, you know what? I'm going to dive into it, <laughs> to my backstory then. Awesome. Um, I started, I started freelance writing in high school because it was the only way to make money to get gas to go to school. Um, I grew up in a big family and we didn't have a lot of money. So this was really my only option working from home. I got married in high school. <laughs> um, right then. What was that? Did you know what you want? Is that what the, what the deal was there? I knew what I wanted. Excellent. <laughs> going strong. So I got married in high school. We both went to college. I kept writing because it was the only way to pay our rent and buy groceries. Um, through that, through the freelance writing, I learned about NaNoWriMo. And I wrote my first book in 2013. So that was the start of my fiction writing journey. Awesome. And then... Uh, around the same time, I was going to school for um, health promotion. So I was in a biology major. And I failed my biology exam because I was writing a book instead of studying for the exam. Oops. And that's what I knew. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew that writing was my calling. So I switched my major. And three years after I wrote that first novel, I had written a novella before that, but after the novel, I finished the series. And in that year that the series finished, I made $48,000 that year. And then I realized I could make a career out of it. So like, even though you were freelancing already making a career out of it, kind of. And I thought that that was going to be my career. I went to, I got my degree in professional writing rather than creative writing. So I did think that I was going to be freelance writing the rest of my life. And then I was like, no, I want to do. <laughs> I, I don't want to go work for someone else. I want to make a career doing what I love. I love that. Okay, so now for my listeners who are not watching the video, what's your name so that they know who was just speaking? Because <laughs> I did. I, it just occurred to me. I'm like, wait a minute. You didn't, you didn't say who this was. <laughs> that was Alicia. Thank you, Alicia. I appreciate that. <laughs> what about you, Megan? How did you start writing? How did this whole process begin for you? So my name is Megan Linsky, and like Alicia, I started writing when I was in high school. My first book I completed when I was 14 years old, and at the time I was working as a journalist for my local newspaper for my high school job. And by the time I graduated high school, I'd finished nearly a dozen books. But I was told that being a writer isn't an actual career and you can't really make money off of it by my guidance counselor. So I went to college, I hopped around a lot, I had every job under the sun, I literally dropped out of college because I wasn't happy. (laughs) Imagine why. (laughs) And I felt like I was just fighting my fate. And I was telling myself I couldn't be what I really wanted to be. And my boyfriend, who is now my husband, encouraged me to, you know, get back into writing books. And then when I was 20, I was diagnosed (laughs) with a rare disease. And at the same time, I experienced a very heavy loss that caused me to wake up and go, what am I doing with my life? This isn't me. I want to be doing something I love, not be wasting it on something everybody else wants me to do. So I opened Griffin Publishing in 2014, and I've never looked back. 
That's wonderful. That that is a beautiful story. In fact, that's amazing. So, okay, I read on your guys's blog or on your website. I don't think it was a blog. It was it was literally a, the about you guys that you have a really like a clandestine meeting, right? Do you want to share it with my audience? Yeah. So I like to think of our meeting as fate. Actually, I totally believe it was fate. Um, we met in 2016 at a reader convention. We were both authors by them, but we came as readers. So I had heard about it a month before and I just had this very strong intuitive nudge that I had to go. I'm like, I have to be at this thing. I don't know why, but I'm going. So I didn't even know if I believed in intuition then, but I just followed it. I booked last minute plans and I drove 12 hours on my own um, to get there. And I vividly remember stopping at this author's table and just not knowing where to go from there because I had already walked around the whole con and I'm like, what do I do now? And I (laughs) remember feeling like I didn't believe in angels and guides and stuff back then. But I remember thinking my angels are telling me to stay. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? (laughs) And not, not even a minute later, Megan walks up to that table. Wow. I'm like, hey, are you here alone? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, do you want to walk around with me? Because I'm like, I'm alone too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I felt like we really hit it off. Uh, We became really good friends about a year later when I hired her to be my editor. And I totally 100% believe that we were met meant to meet at that time and I believe that we were manifesting before we even knew about manifesting that's incredible what do you think Megan were you like who is this crazy chick asking me to walk around with her or were you like heck yeah let's do this thing (laughs) so that's actually a very funny story so what happened with me my boyfriend you know who encouraged me to write books who is now my husband yay he broke up with me at the time (laughs) Ooh, I was like rooting for you for a second there and I'm like what (laughs) No, it was seriously crazy. Like we had this, you know, breakup and I was very distraught over it. And I was just like, well, I just need to get out of here. So I heard about Utopia Con about two weeks before it actually happened. I wasn't prepared at all. And I said, don't care. Threw my things in the car, just left, drove through this crazy storm to get there. Like I had to pull over on the side of the road to avoid like my car spinning out. And I was just sitting in this car like this con better be worth it. (laughs) Because I'm about to die. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so was I, it worth I, got, it? I, I would say it was worth it. it kind of no, absolutely. It was worth it. So I got to this convention and, you know, uh, Alicia's staring at me at Stacey Rourke's table. And I, you know, I had a thought, you know, who is this word that rhymes with itch? <laughs> You're allowed to say that on your podcast? You can totally say that. I say, look, get rich, lucky bitch all the time. Let's do it. Right, right. <laughs> you can piece together what I said and then she's like hey you want to walk around I'm like sure so you know we were palling around and we went and got to eat lunch together and this was really important to me because I was diagnosed at the time and like I had all these dietary restrictions and all these weird things that I had to tell the waiter and like Alicia's just like acting like it's completely normal and and (laughs) I thought that was so unique that she just like didn't even notice and we were just eating well, I remember I thought I was being rude because I'm like, are you actually gluten free? Or like, <laughs> is that just like a trend? Because I had just got out of my health promotion, a major. So like I 
I was thinking about that. I'm like, is this like, I don't know. I thought I was being rude. So it's funny that you say that, like, I was being nice. <laughs> no, I just I thought that was funny at the, at the time. And I just, I remember eating lunch with you and we were talking and I realized you had like that it factor. I was like, this girl is special. I don't know what it is, but she's got something about her that I really like. So that was our story together. That's how we met. And then from there, it just blossomed and created this like incredible empire, which I love so much. So (laughs) that leads us right into the next question. Huh? Look at that. Me staying on task. (laughs) If you can tell us a little bit about the types of books that you write and the the common thread that runs through them, because you have a common thread, right? So we have our books that we write on our own. And then we come together and kind of combine our different personalities into our co-written book. So I primarily write paranormal books. Right now we write college-aged books together. And what I'm really passionate about is personal development and expanding my emotional intelligence. I love learning about manifesting and all the psychology that goes along with that. So I love putting those themes into my book. I love that. I do the same thing. How about you, Megan? So I primarily write fantasy. Um, My themes that I love to write about are healthy romantic relationships, stories about perseverance, friendship, and hope. And together, me and Alicia write Hidden Legends, which we primarily focus on mental health and disability advocacy. I love that. So speaking of that one, now you are, I think that's the one that you're talking about where you are currently. So both Alicia was mentioning um, that you're trying to manifest a USA Today title from your Academy of Magical Creatures box set because you've got a book bub coming up and all sorts of good, awesome stuff. So uh, we are going to talk about manifestation in a second, because obviously we can't not talk about manifestation. But can you tell my audience a little bit about this box set and why they should be reading it and all the good, fun things that are coming their way? Yes. So first, I'm going to say we're not trying to hit USA Today. We we aren't manifesting and it's happening. It is done. It is um, already done. (laughs) Yeah, that's been my theme with this. Um, We call it a celebration. So we're doing it. It's done. The box set is the Academy of Magical Creatures books one through three box set. And this story is so important to us. This was the first books that we wrote in our Hidden Legends universe, which is now almost 20 books. And we just love this world so much because we focus on diversity in a fantasy setting featuring disabled and LGBTQ plus characters. We love focusing on healthy relationships and growing your community to create a better world for everyone. So it really takes the things we're really passionate about and puts it into this magical story. I love that. I think that's it's such a fun way to be able to explore the things that you are passionate about and then put it in a fantasy setting because it's almost like we can embellish it more and really like really make it big so people get it. You know what I mean? And it 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 gets to be I'm trying to think of like the best way to describe it because sometimes we put these limitations and barriers up when it's a normal contemporary novel, for instance. But as soon as it goes into a fantasy setting, it's much easier to allow the information to flow and be like, this is really cool. I like this. You know, we also go over the top with these themes sometimes too. So the magic allows us to do that. And then we are able to use magic to communicate the manifesting lessons that we're learning in our own lives. I love that. I love that so much. Okay, so let's talk about manifestation because obviously I'm passionate about it. I know you guys are passionate about it. So 
are you both into manifestation, law of attraction, that sort of thing? Or, you know, absolutely. So where did it start for you guys? So I'm the one who got into manifesting first and I kind of got Megan into it. I started learning about it in 2018 after hearing about it from other authors. So I read my first book called Becoming Magic by Genevieve Davis and I got hooked. And I think I resonated with it because it was like my spirit already knew these things, but my human brain still had to learn. And I was very eager to learn more. I personally found it really empowering to learn that I had control over my own thoughts and choices because that seemed like a revolutionary idea to me at the time. Absolutely. I remember the first time I came into that sort of concept, it was, I think it was when the power of now was first coming out and Oprah Winfrey had Eckhart Tolle on, on her show, like her actual live show when it was still on TV. And I remember going, oh my gosh, that is the most fascinating concept of like being present in the now and understanding that you are the observer of your thoughts, but you are not the thoughts themselves. It was like, what, what? Wait a second. That means you have control then over shifting those thoughts. It was so cool. It was such a neat concept. What about you, Megan? How how did things start for you? Was it like literally Alicia dragging you along saying, hey, you got to learn this stuff? Or like, how did that happen for you? I think Alicia fell into manifesting very naturally. And I had the opposite experience. Um, she shared becoming magic with me. And I just thought it was the silliest thing on the face of the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I I did not like manifesting for the longest time. For years, I literally thought that this it was just a bunch of made up bullshit to be completely yeah. honest i i was just focused, so... focused. sorry i had to do it <laughs> <laughs> well no that that's how i that's what i thought yeah. and we started manifesting what was it in 2018 and i think i've really only started to understand manifesting within the past year so for years alicia was really into manifesting and i was basically just going along with it because you know it was something she was into not necessarily something i was into okay. and then I started reading Neville Goddard and I started reading about the law of assumption and everything just clicked from that point on. And the minute I applied the law of assumption to my life, everything started coming into fruition very, very quickly. Isn't it interesting how we each kind of come at it at different angles and all of a sudden you're, you're still in the same place, but you had to have a different element of it click in place first. For me, it's, I've had so many different things where I've tap danced around like the science of manifestation and the science of like um, neurology. My brother grew up with a brain tumor. So for me and my, my household, like understanding the brain and how it works was really a big thing. And my mom was the spiritual one. My dad was not. And so we had like this weird combination of like, we're, you know, my mom's over here with her tarot cards. My dad's over here, like, well, according to neuroscience, it says this, (laughs) you know, so it's like, I kind of had to merge the two worlds in order to make make it make sense in my brain. And sometimes it is, it's like little pieces will come and all of a sudden there's just that one last thing that clicks and all of a sudden it, it does make sense. It's so interesting. I think with Megan and me, there's some things that come so naturally to her that I, it, it seems like it's taken years for me to get to the point that she already was naturally at. And I think that goes for both ways. For sure. Yeah. Cause there's going to be different strengths that you each have. So one other part of it's going to be easier for one of you than the other and vice versa. And I think it's interesting, Megan, for you, if if you didn't like it at first, I, it reminds me a little bit of me where it's like, you've got, you know, if, if are you like this? I don't know if you are, but this is how I am. If all of a sudden everywhere, like the trends are this big thing, like everyone loves werewolves, for example, uh, werewolves, werewolves, everyone, you should be doing werewolves. 
I will literally be like, I am not doing freaking werewolves. You know what I mean? I am not writing a freaking shifter book to save my life because everybody is doing shifter books. No, that's not going to happen. And then, of course, I have to find like a back doorway in because my PA wouldn't let me be. And so eventually you do it. And then you're like, I kind of like shifter books. It's actually kind of cool. This is not so bad. And you're like, I should have been doing this earlier. (laughs) Are you like that at all? I think that is a, I think that is a little bit about my personality because I don't want to be doing what everybody else is doing. I don't. I don't want to be following the popular vibe. You know, I'm kind of a rebel that way. Yeah. Manifesting yeah. was a little bit different. It wasn't that I was part of it. That's literally my shirt right now. <laughs> it wasn't that I was put off that everyone else was doing it and into it. It was more or less the fact that the law of attraction did not vibe with me. I felt like I had to prove myself a lot of the time with the law of attraction. And with the law of assumption, it was just so much easier to just be who I wanted to be without feeling pressured to be somebody else. For sure. Okay. So for my audience who might not know the difference between law of attraction and law of assumption, do you want to explain it based off of how you understand it? My understanding of law of attraction is that you attract what you want and what you want to manifest into your life. And law of assumption, you assume that's what you already have and what you're already creating. Okay. So that's the main difference between the two. I love that. I think there's a, a concept in there. It reminds me a little bit of Abraham Hicks because with with the way that they teach law of attraction. So the way I understand law of attraction is you manifest what you already are. Like your your vibe, your entire frequency, everything that you put out there, you attract what you are. So it's not necessarily what you want because sometimes what you want isn't uh, an, in alignment with what it is that you're actually putting out there. But the law of assumption is really cool because it goes along with like the three-step process where you're like, okay, you make the decision you want something you know and trust that the universe has your back. The answer is already yes. And you just keep working until it is so. So you assume that that it's done in the spiritual realm. It's done, you know, in the frequency realm, in the vibe realm, whatever, until it presents itself to you. So it's almost like that middle portion. It's like the messy middle of your manifestation. You're assuming it's happening. It's done. Boom. Yes, absolutely. And your assumptions can lead to unfortunate things happening to you too, because if you assume something bad is going to happen, it probably is. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So that's why you got to shift that thought when those those things happen, right? Okay. <laughs> ah, we, we don't I need really it. Like, oh, sorry. I really oh. like the way that you describe that you, you decide, you assume, and then you receive, right? Yeah. Because I think that's something I personally haven't understood until recently and now it's becoming so much easier right right and it's so interesting how it it takes like different teachers teaching the same thing and saying it just slightly different it's it's almost like we get better at describing the process so that more people can understand it i i know like when we when you read i think that's the case with everything like if you read older novels even some of the ways that they describe things and the way that they do things it's hard to almost visualize or read or really get into the books and as you read more contemporary books and maybe it's just the way our brains are because of the you know what we've grown up with or whatever how we experience life but it's like we get better at describing things at telling things at telling the stories of like engaging the readers in a way that it makes sense and i think the same goes for concepts like this too don't you think Yeah, I was initially taught it was ask and receive. And then you like attract through the asking. Um, I don't know if I can describe it really well. But I've always felt like there was that one middle point missing, which I think you just touched on is that you assume and you believe in it. Yeah, absolutely. This is like, this is new to me recently that that part clicked. 
Yeah. And it's, it's such a cool part. It's so important because when you assume you've shifted your vibe from this, I hope it comes or why isn't it here yet to it is done. Like you already know it's done. You're taking out that question in manifestation that I think so many of us have, especially those of us who have a lot of thoughts going on all the time, which actually brings me to an interesting part, which I'm going to go off the the rails here, Alicia. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Well, maybe not. We taught, it actually goes right along what I said to you. Ha! So we chatted briefly about uh, manifesting when you have a mental illness or disability. And I know for anxiety, so this is where I'm going off the rail. I know for anxiety, it can be hard to keep that assumption locked in because you're used to all the momentum with the anxious thoughts and the things that are going on. So I'm hoping that the two of you have different experiences and can share what what it, what does it look like for manifesting through a disability or through anxiety or a mental illness? I know we had talked about that before we got on the podcast, but do do either one of you want to? Yeah, we can share about that. So I will say that understanding the it is already here that was that's been the hardest part for me in manifesting because my brain. Um, I I have experience with anxiety. So my brain, everything was always in the future and I did not know how to make it now. So this is like mm. still pretty new to me, but it's starting to click. I do want to preface everything we're about to say with we are not doctors. <laughs> this is just our experience. So please, if you are sick, please go see your doctor. But this is something Megan and I are both passionate about. We write about this in our books. And even though I ha- had some of my own experiences with mental health, I became very passionate about these topics through Megan's stories. So I'm going to actually let her start off and tell you guys about her experiences. I love it. Really cool stories. <laughs> so uh, as I said before, when I was 20, I was diagnosed with a rare condition. My condition is common variable immune deficiency disorder. It only affects about one in 65,000 people. And it In layman's terms, it's a disease where you don't really have an immune system. So you have to substitute that with plasma donations from other people in order to survive. That comes along with a lot of extra things as well, such as IBS, asthma, um, depression, PTSD symptoms. So really, from the time I was 20 to now, I've had a lot of medical problems. So... I want to start by defining what disability is for people. And disability is not meaning you are in a wheelchair or it does not mean you are so disabled that you cannot work or take care of yourself or get out of bed. Disability is simply a medical condition that impedes your life enough where you need significant accommodation. And that's it. That could literally mean something like you have anxiety and it's bad enough that you have trouble at work and that you need medication in order to function. Sure. And disability is not a dirty word. It is just a condition. It is a state. And you are able to use manifesting in order to improve that state. I really want to press on this, that we manifest everything into your life, but illness is not your fault. As illness comes into your life, you can manifest it in different ways. You can have a soul contract. And I don't know how woo this is for your podcast. It's totally fine. (laughs) Go as woo as you want. If people don't like it, they're going to go to a different podcast episode and listen to something else. It's all good. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about regardless. So let's do it. (laughs) You can have a soul contract where you agreed to have that illness in order to learn life lessons about who you are 
you could manifest an illness from stress. There are a million different ways that you can gain a disability. Absolutely. But like, even if you do have an illness, it's not your fault. But what I want people to understand with disability is that you can improve your symptoms with manifestation and illness, pain, and sadness do not stop your manifestation. You are always manifesting 100% of the time and you can always manifest from even the worst parts of your life. Absolutely. You can always shift. It's all about making a, a different choice, a different decision and locking it in. Absolutely. My like shifting your mind is 100% the best way to improve your symptoms from disability. Because I learned this recently, but we use terms like vibration and ascending in order to get to that different level, this law of like law of attraction conversation, but vibration and ascension are merely just changing your thinking. Mm -hmm. That's it. Because if you change your thinking, you will change your attitude and you will change your behavior towards the situation. You bet. Yep, because every thought has a a frequency. Every thought that you think, every action that you take, it all is on a different frequency. So in order to take action from a higher frequency, a higher place, you have to have a higher level of thought. And um, I share this in like the Millionaire Author Manifestation course and in the uh, Millionaire Author Challenge, but there's the um, emotional scale. And the emotional scale gives you the variations of what your frequency is. So like the lower frequencies would be things like grief and depression and despair and things like that. Obviously higher levels would be joy, enthusiasm, passion, th- those sort of things. And you're, it, there's a whole bunch of them in the middle. And so you're just trying to elevate yourself one thought at a time. And sometimes you're just reaching for the next best thought so that you can get up a little bit higher. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to note that you can absolutely manifest amazing things when you're at the lower end of your scale. Oh, for sure. Yeah. i I've brought in things for myself where I was literally in the worst parts of my life and I had the worst thought process ever, but I was still able to manifest because I assumed and I believe that's what I would receive regardless. Yeah. And it helps if you're a very stubborn person because I'm very stubborn. So when I set my mind to something, I'm like, I don't care. It's coming in anyway, <laughs> no matter how I feel. Like I could be laying in the hospital bed, just like feeling like I'm dying. and I'll be like, nope, don't yeah. give a crap. It's well, happening. Contrast just makes you see the things that you want more. So like when you're when you're in that aspect that is really dark or despair or any of those sort of things, all that is is contrast so that when you know what you don't want, you know more clearly what you do want. And so you can see that path more clearly. And so it makes sense that even if, if you're in your darkest moments, as long as you're clear on what it is you really want and that the, that it's yours, you can get anywhere from there. Yes, making I, making the decision is so important. Sorry, Alicia. No, it's okay. I'm I'm just wondering if like making that decision is the most important part because I think there's a misconception that if you are sad and depressed, like I've seen, I don't know what they call it, but it's like a scale where joy is on the top and anger maybe is on the bottom. I'm not sure what's on the bottom, but there's like a scale of emotions. And I think there's a lie that like, if you're down at the bottom, you can't manifest what you want. But I think that decision bridges the gap. It does. Saying this is a lie. I'm depressed. I can still manifest when I'm depressed. But if you believe in this ladder and the scale of emotion, you're not going to have the mindset to, I don't know what I'm trying to communicate. Maybe Megan can sum this up for me. She's very good at that. Well, I think a lot of teachers don't necessarily teach that you can 
transition from one point to the next. And you don't have to necessarily be in a state of one thing or another to manifest. Because with the law of attraction, you are taught if you are sad, grieving, thinking negative thoughts, you cannot manifest, but that's not true because you're manifesting constantly anyway. Mm -hmm. So in order to get to that point of manifesting from grief, sadness, and pain, you have to be willing to accept your feelings while also determining that this is not going to be your reality. This is just a state. Your reality is determined by yourself and your beliefs and what you've decided your beliefs to be. So it doesn't matter what you believe. You're already right. You bet. And beliefs are just thoughts that you continue to think. I mean, honestly, there that's the only difference between a belief and just a normal thought. It's that you continue to think it over and over again until you believe it to be true. And so if you can believe that I, I'm depressed, but I can still manifest, that belief bridges the gap. If you believe that, okay, I'm depressed right now, but I know how to climb that emotional scale to get back up to where I need to be, where I feel more comfortable manifesting, you do that. You bridge that gap because that's your belief. And so it makes sense that no matter where you're at, as long as you have beliefs that support what it is that you're trying to get towards or to or create or manifest in your life or whatever, as long as those beliefs are in support of it, you're going to make it happen. It just, it has to happen. Well, absolutely. And I think Neville Goddard talks about this, the bridge of incidents. It's the stuff that happens between making the decision and getting what you want. When I first received my diagnosis, it was very hard to accept, but getting out of that path of acceptance is that, okay, I have this diagnosis, I have this disability, and it sucks sometimes, to be frank, it really does. But what can I do to change that? And what can I do to do about that? So making a decision of, I might have this diagnosis, but I'm going to be as healthy as possible, and I'm going to feel good most of the time, and I don't care. So even on my worst days, when I feel like crap, I get up and I'm like, nope, we're not doing this. I feel good. And I'm going to do the things I need to do in order to feel good today. Because feelings and emotions and moods, all of that mixes into your manifestation. So feelings come from your thoughts and moods come from your body. And you can change both by merely asking, what thought do I need to change? And what does my body need? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's so key because I think sometimes people mix up moods with their emotions and they don't know the difference. And so sometimes they think that, no, I'm feeling this thing first. And so therefore, you know, like they think that emotions come first and then the thoughts, but it's actually thoughts create the emotion and moods are just sometimes literally a physical aspect of your body because you're not eating the right foods for your body or it's, you know, hormonal yay ladies or, you know, whatever the heck it is. But that's, that's the difference between the two. It's interesting. Well, I always think it's important to sit back and ask yourself, if you're feeling sad, like, am I feeling sad because of a thought? You usually know if you are. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know why you're sad, then you're like, okay, well, it's my mood. It's my body. What does my body need? What is my body asking for? Yeah. So do you need sleep? Do you need a drink of water? Do you just need to sit around and be sad for a while? Because sometimes you just need to do that. Yeah. And it's like a purge process. I don't yes. know about you, but holy mercury retrograde with that, like <laughs> purge that stuff out. <laughs> like <laughs> This retrograde has been like crazy for like me and like a, a bunch of my students that I know. It's like, what in the world? Yay. Absolutely. I have a question for Megan to go off yes. of some of the things you said. So you gave examples of manifesting, kind of manifesting your symptoms away you just know nope, we're not doing this today I feel great but 
this is a author podcast, right? So if you are trying to manifest something in your author career, how do you deal with that on days where you're just not feeling great? Or periods of time, <laughs> months, maybe? That's a very good question. Because I, as Alicia knows, I did not have a great 2021. It was probably the worst year of my life. I felt bad most of the time. I was in the hospital a lot. I had a lot of problems with people, just relationship-wise. But I always knew what the end goal was going to be, and I refused to accept any other alternative. I am very good at being delusional, <laughs> which is which in a is good way. A <laughs> no, in a good way. I'm not. I'm not talking about delusions where you know you have symptoms of like psychosis or something like that. But I'm very. I'm very good at denying reality and insisting that I can create my own, no matter what the circumstances are. I love it. So in those types of situations where everything is literally falling apart and going wrong, I can honestly just turn my face away from it and insist that this is how I want my life to be. And I think I've always kind of been that way because back in high school, I, this is before I learned about manifestation at all. Like my friends were always like, Megan, you're just, you take a concrete battering ram to like this brick wall and you will not give up until it, until it comes down. And I'm like, yes, that's, that's my personality. And that's why I'm successful the way I am because I refuse to not be in control of my reality. When you're in those moments where you're not feeling great and things seem to be going wrong, you never feel like I have to make my symptoms better to manifest though. Right. Like you're not, I don't know if I'm wording the question right, but you're still manifesting other things while you're manifesting the situation to be better, right? You're not like, oh, I can't manifest until things are better, right? So how how does that work in your head? There. I usually am like, if I'm having a really bad day symptom-wise, I'm like, like, let's say the night before I really didn't want to have a flare-up, and I did anyway. Like my manifestation, I'm not going to say didn't work, but it didn't come through the way I wanted it to. I'm just like, eh, whatever. Like, I, it's just a bridge of incidents thing. It's not something that's permanent. It doesn't mean I failed. It just means that something that happened to me. And if, I, if that is my experience, if I am experiencing that in my manifestation, there is a reason for it. I think Amanda um, Francis talks about that where it's, she, she's like, okay, you don't take it on as something that it's your own. You just go, okay, well, wasn't that interesting? Because it's feedback for you, letting you know kind of where your state was. So even if you were like, I am not going to get this. You had to remember, we live in an inclusion-based universe. So if you're sitting there at all thinking, I'm not going to have this happen tomorrow. I'm not going to have this happen tomorrow. I'm not going to have this happen tomorrow. Universe goes, you're going to have this happen tomorrow because you're thinking about it not happening tomorrow <laughs> because you're still vibing with the problem. You're still vibing with the, the thing you don't want. And it doesn't understand don't want versus do want. It just understands the vibration of it. And so as, as soon as you recognize in yourself that, okay, well, there must have been enough power behind or momentum behind that thought that I still caused it a little bit. And I don't mean cause in like a bad way, but you still manifested it by being in the vibrational frequency of allowing it. Does that well, make yeah, sense? You're attached. Yeah. You're attached yeah. to not feeling that way. But the thing is, is, here's the funny thing, you know, when I have the flare up and I'm like, oh, well, I guess this is happening today. And you let go of that attachment, it goes away quicker because you're not yes. fighting it. Yeah. You're not trying to force it away. And I think the universe can kind of come in and like swoop in and save the day for you because this is completely unrelated. But I went to a costume party a couple months ago and my costume, I like spent a lot of money on it and it was just falling apart. It would not come together. So I had to go with something else. And I was like not happy about it at the time. But then I got to the party and like there were several people 
dressed up as this character that I wanted to go to, and nobody had my costume. No, so I was just like, oh, okay. Well, though I'm glad that that didn't work out. So that can happen a lot. It can be incidental, but getting back to the topic of disability, Alicia has stuff that she wants to add on this for sure. So I'm going to hand it over to her. Um, I mean, we covered a lot of it. I wanted to talk about how I have experience with anxiety specifically with author career. And I think that this is very, very common with authors. So I would say my anxiety spanned several years because I was so desperate to make my author career work. And I was so attached to it out of fear because I didn't want to go work for somebody else. I think a lot of authors are in that situation. Absolutely. I think so. And I had one year where it was really bad. I wrote 10 books that year because I'm just like, oh, I got to work harder. Like, (laughs) that's going to make me break out, you know, and it did not. It was the worst year of income. It was, I was working nights and weekends and putting a huge restraint, huge strain on my relationships to the point where I thought I was headed towards a divorce. Sure. Um, which luckily I manifested like the opposite of that. We I manifested communication. We got better, but it took a while. I also lost a lot of weight. And Megan can tell you, I like told her I was losing weight. And she's like, girl, like <laughs> that is not good <laughs> because I'm already a pretty small person. I just want to eat because I was so hyper-focused on my author career. And I would also get really bad disassociation. So we would invite people over to hang out and they would be here and I'd be present in my body. Like my body would be here, but my mind was not. So I think that that's like, I don't want to say, oh, it wasn't a big deal because everyone experiences that. But I just, I think it's common for authors. I see it a lot. And I just, I guess I want to talk about like what what we can do with that because I think sometimes we're taught that you can't manifest from that space because you're afraid, right? Sure. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but anxiety comes from fear, right? Yep. So fear of the future, technically. Yep. I I think I thought that way back then, like, oh, I'm not getting the results that I want because I'm anxious and like. I'm, I'm afraid. So I just have to get rid of this fear. And in a way, I do think that's true. But looking back, we also manifested some really cool things during that time. One of the things we manifested in the worst of my anxiety was a trip to Australia. Megan and I went together and we signed books and it was really cool. But I really, I think that the difference there was that we made the decision and we assumed that it was going to happen. So even in the midst of all that fear, we just believed and then we made it happen. So I think sometimes you can be afraid. And if that fear is getting in the way of your belief, it can be a problem, but it's okay to be afraid and believe in something and then get to where you want to be. Absolutely. I think it all comes down to where your momentum of thought is. So if you're, if you were anxious about your author career in specific, about pulling in the money, about making it a living, about it doing its thing and your it becomes your hyper focus your your energy around it is this is not working this is not working this is not working this is not working mm-hmm. and trust me i i know the feeling i was there as well probably about the same time frame 2018ish 
this is not working. This is not working. Why is this not working? This should be working. Why is this not working? And you just keep thinking it and then it's not working. And as soon as you release that resistance to it, all of a sudden things start working. <laughs> and you're like, what the heck? What is that? I, I've, I've like let go a little bit. But because you are focused on this one side of things doesn't mean other aspects of your life can't lock into place. Like if you have that belief about a trip or about a relationship or about a car or, you know, whatever it is, you can still pull those things in because you've lowered your resistance to that particular thing that you're trying to bring in. And so it makes sense that there are various levels to manifestation to the things that you want, because you're not a single single want person, right? You know, you're going to have lots of different things that you want and you're going to have various levels of uh, limitations or resistance to them. And so it it just makes sense that you do that sort of thing. And I think it's called manic manifestation when you are, you know, you're still trying to manifest and you're doing the thing. So during your, your anxiety here, you were still manifesting because you created 10 books. So look at what you manifested through that that process. It may not have been as successful as you wanted because that was the part where you held the resistance to it, but you manifested the books. I mean, there are people out there who can't even get the book, the first book out. You know what I mean? They can't manifest the first one, but you did it. You channeled the information, you got it on page, you did your thing. And that's a huge accomplishment as well. It should be celebrated, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think at that point, I had not made the decision that of course I knew I wanted it, but I, d- I don't think I totally believed that that something wasn't going to come along and take it away from me. So I think what really helped was making the decision that this was going to work out one way or another. So when I scaled back on how much I was writing and how much I was working, things started to do so much better. I started to learn more about my intuition and started following that. And that helped me release some of the fear that I was holding on to around doing what everybody else was doing. I would love Megan to talk more about like, how do you go from like being really anxious and then letting go of some of that? Because I think she can maybe communicate it better. Like I know Megan, you have experience with anxiety too. Yeah, definitely. I, as I said before, I had PTSD. Uh, Doctors, or at least my doctors have said PTSD is not possible to cure. I believe that I have manifested my PTSD away, or at least most of my symptoms, because my PTSD was very crippling. It was to the point where, you know, I could barely function day to day because of my PTSD symptoms. And I don't have those symptoms anymore in whatever capacity. And I think the way that I did that was I changed my mindset so radically that those thoughts were incompatible with my reality and the person I wanted to be. And when I say the person I want to be, that's a human term because really the person we want to be, who we want to be is who we already are. We just have to access that person. Absolutely. I love that. I do too. And I like, it it goes both ways too, because when you think about it, like if you're in that state of like, depression, anxiety of any of those things, the higher vibe thoughts are not in your reach or vicinity to be able to tap into either or your intuition or any of those things. It's trying to get to you, but you're not allowing it in. You can't receive it because you are not. It's like, uh, I think Abraham Hicks talks about this, like a radio station where you're like trying to dial to 102.4, but you can't because you're actually at 97.3 right now. And so you can't get that radio station because you're literally not tuned into it. But it goes the opposite direction. When you have elevated and you've gone to a different place that's higher, you can no longer access those thoughts either. You know what I mean? They just don't 
enter your sphere or your reality because you're not there anymore. You've, you, there's no connection. You've bridged that gap and burned that bridge and it's gone. <laughs> this well, is absolutely. why I, I admire teachers like you that you can do the podcast and reflect on those old moments because once I've shifted a thought, I don't even think about it anymore and I'll forget where I was years ago and forget how much I struggled to get to where I am because those thoughts, like people teach those quote unquote higher vibe thoughts. And I just would not get it. I'm like, what does this even mean? Like, it doesn't make any sense. So how do you believe that it's already happening? Because that, that just doesn't work with physics. Right. Right. Until you go, wait a minute, quantum physics. Shoot. (laughs) Shoot. There is a physics there. (laughs) Testing is a process too. If you if you look back on what we said earlier, we started studying manifesting in 2018. I didn't really get it until this year, which was 2022. It took that long for me to be able to really understand what this was about. And that wasn't to mean that I didn't manifest in the meantime, I did. And I didn't end up curing or at least reducing a lot of my symptoms in the meantime during that interim but it is a journey it is not an automatic shift for sure it's like a spiral isn't it like a learning spiral where you're you get introduced to it but you keep going deeper and deeper into the concept of it until you really understand it deeply but you have to start at the outside rim and kind of keep spiraling downward until you get into the center and the core of it and really understand it for sure. We are still absolutely learning. There's a lot of things we still don't understand and things that we're learning now that we're like, we don't know how to communicate this yet, but our soul knows it. <laughs> so we're still learning how to figure those things out. That's such a beautiful way to put that. Because I think everybody's at that, like at that stage in some place of their life where they're, they don't have the words to put it out yet, but they feel it. They know it. There's a knowing there. That is so cool. Okay. So I know you guys must be stoked about this. The two of you have stories featured in Renee Rose's upcoming book, Right to Riches. Do you want to share with my audience uh, what, number one, what the experience was like working with uh, Renee, but also what are the stories that you've put in the book, if you can share them? Yes, I think we're allowed to share them. <laughs> um, so I, I'm i in her monthly membership group, and we do a monthly Zoom call. And then we're both in her abundance Facebook group. So she just put out an open call for author specific manifesting stories. And we're like, okay, we both got those. Let's email her and see what she says. And she wanted to interview both of us. So I told her the story about how we manifested our audio rights back from a publisher. So that this story is that, first of all, we manifested the publishing deal. And it was something we really wanted. But as it unfolded, we found out it wasn't really what we wanted. So this was one of those situations that you were talking about earlier, where you you decide or you figure out what you do and do not want. So they didn't market our books. They weren't working with us to continue the series or to change the covers when we updated the covers. And we're like, okay, we're we're indie authors. We like having control. So we emailed them and asked if we could buy our rights back. And they were very insistent that they did not do that. They're like, we never do that for anyone. We don't make exceptions. And we just decided we're not taking no for an answer. So again, law of assumption plays into that. And we did not have the money to buy our rights back. This was, I think like one of our worst years in income. Maybe it was like, maybe it was our second worst year. We weren't making a lot of money. 
But we said, you know what, we'll come up with the money. We don't know how, but we're going to manifest it. And so I think it took like six months of back and forth to convince them to sell our audio rights back and to sell us the masters. And by the time that they agreed, we I think we had zero money saved. Yeah. And yeah, within six weeks, okay, they said, yes, we're like, okay, give us a couple of weeks to get the money together. It was magical. Within six weeks, we came up with $16,000 that they quoted us. And this was like month worth of income at the time. It was just, I, I'd got a grant because of COVID. I'd got a business grant that went into that. We got some refunds for something. I think we had like a really good month or something like that. I don't know. It just all came together and it was very magical. So I love um, it. Yeah, I mean, that's like one of our most magical stories. I hope to have more in the future. But I just love that story so much because it shows how powerful the law of assumption was for us. And it it's taught us how to use that in the future as well. For sure. So Megan, how, how about you? You have a story as well that is in the book. So what, what was your story? I do. Not that that wasn't story. your story, but you know what I mean? <laughs> My individual story comes from 2020. Nobody had a good year in 2020, as I'm all sure we can attune to. During the big COVID rundown, my husband was laid off from his job. I was the only income, more or less. He did bring in some income from his other work, but it was mostly me working full time. We had basically nothing. It was very hard getting from the day to day and there was a point where our accounts were just basically dry we didn't have enough of course i was worried about it i didn't know what to do as were a lot of people back then a lot of people didn't have money for groceries or anything like that or to pay their bills like we did so in the midst of it all i got the idea for a story it was something i usually didn't write it was a completely random idea off the top of my head. I wasn't thinking about, you know, what kind of book I could write next because I was already knee deep in Project with Alicia. I really didn't need anything else on my plate. But, you know, I got one of those ideas from the universe that just reaches out and grabs you. And I ran with it. I wrote the book in about three weeks. I manifested the perfect cover for it from a pre- like a pre-made group, just popped up. I bought it put it up, didn't put any advertising in it, except maybe for $100 worth. And then the book took off and I made $20,000. How amazing. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. (laughs) It it was pretty cool. And it was really a blessing for us because that money I made, that $20,000 I made, it got us through the next couple of months of bills and groceries and things that we absolutely needed. Yeah, yeah. Until we were a little bit more financially well off. So... I manifested what I needed at the time I needed it, but I also, it was effortless. It really was because I didn't, I didn't have to put a bunch of ads or marketing or effort into it. It literally just fell into my lap at the perfect time. That is incredible. You just allowed it in and it did its job. That's so, I think that's so important for authors to hear because when you are efforting, when you're really struggling and you're trying to, trying to do the thing. A lot of the time it is you fighting against yourself because you you're, you're trying to get to an outcome, but you're not allowing it to be easy. That was, that mm-hmm. was a huge shift that I had in 2020, actually, 
where I manifested being able to take um, Denise Duffield Thomas's money bootcamp. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to make it happen. And so that's what I had done in 2020. And I loved it. But her concept of allowing it to be easy and and like allowing yourself to kind of like chill out about whatever it is that you're trying to manifest was so I don't know about you guys, but I'm a double Virgo. And so I'm like a planner. I, <laughs> I like I like to see it like all the pieces. I got to know it all and like tie them all together. And for me to be like, what? You just step back and allow? It was hard for me at the time. It really was. And so it, it was just, it's such a beautiful thing when you do step back and you see things come to you at the perfect time, at the moment when you most need it because you've finally given up the, re- the restrictions and the resistance to it. And it just, it's there. It's waiting for you to receive it. That is so cool. Well, absolutely. And things should feel effortless. And if they don't feel effortless, it's important to ask why. Yes. And it was, yeah. it was strange with that release because I usually put a lot of effort into my releases. This one, I basically put up and I ignored and I said, well, if it doesn't make any money, which I wasn't expecting it to, I was expecting it to make like maybe $50. Sure. And- you know I didn't put any effort into the release or anything like that so I had zero attachment whatsoever and that is key and that is really hard to do though when you care about something so much absolutely it's a hold on loosely concept yes what I I love about her story on this one is she didn't tell me she was doing it (laughs) she was like I've been doing these covers in this pre-made group and then like oh I don't know if that was a few hours, a few days later, they were gone. And I'm like, oh, someone took your covers. <laughs> I'm like, this book is doing really well. Like, we should cross promo with this author. She's like, I'll contact her. I have no idea it was her. Oh, I, <laughs> I, love it. I wrote this book under a pen name because I didn't want anybody to know I did it. And it was, it was hilarious. I don't think I told Alicia about it for like six months. And it was so funny because she kept on talking about this person. And I'm like, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> that is hilarious. I totally forgot about this. But like one of the other things, you launched this on a full price. This was a full price book. Because I yes. remember you saying, no, you can absolutely like be really successful on a full price book. I'm like, but how do you know? And you're like, I have data. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? We always launch at 99 cents. I from this project that like I didn't I didn't even care about. Like, and I just had all this knowledge and Alicia kept on you know grilling me about how I knew what I was talking about. I'm like oh, funny. secret. <laughs> she just Brandon Sanderson to you. <laughs> She's like right, exactly. <laughs> Oh, that was important not to talk about it though. It was, it, I didn't tell anybody who's doing this. I don't even know if I told my husband I was doing this. Like, I was literally like, nope, I, I can't say a word about it. I'm not going to say a word up to my co author about it. I'm just going to secretly release it and be a secret pen name person and see what happens. So, have you let the pen name continue onward? Like, have you done more books for it? I definitely have. Yeah, that's great. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I'm like, you, you don't put, you don't like let one launch go and then you're just like, ah, I'm good. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I didn't do that. But here's the thing about that that I want to add that the series that I launched did really well. The second series that I launched, I had expectations and it bombed horribly. Mm, <laughs> so okay. that's a lesson. Yeah. So what do you think your thought process was with the second one that made it different? I think that I had attachment to making just as much money on that series as I did the other one. And that 
it just does not work that way. Okay. Well, and I think it depends too, but like there's so many different vibes and elements that go into it. Like if, if the audience is looking for something specific and you just didn't give it that, give them that, or if you, your opening's just slightly different, or like you said, you, you're so attached to it being as good, but you didn't, did you receive the same, the book, the same type of way, do you feel? Or was it, you created it more like you efforted it a little bit more? For the second one. No, it, it was not the same kind of thing. I was like, I want to repeat this process and get another twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Gotcha. You didn't have an intuitive nudge with the second one then. No, absolutely not. I I was just like, we're gonna keep this keep this going because I want to make more profit. Yep. And the book is it's not like it wasn't profitable. It did make me some money, but it wasn't near as successful as the first series that I published with that pen name. Interesting. That's cool, though. I mean, it is an important to, lesson to remember too, like to allow things to to kind of do its. I don't know. Maybe you didn't need it as much. I I think about this for myself because sometimes I'll be like, I'm gonna earn, you know, fifteen thousand dollars just on my books this month or however much I want that particular month. And if it doesn't happen, it, I'm like, well, did I really want it? You know, I, I'll, I'll think about it to myself. Like, did I really want it? Did I really need it? Was there anything that was really pushing me, or was I just like? picking a number out of the sky and being like, here, here's what I want this month and didn't assume as well as I should have or whatever the case is. You know what I mean? Because so maybe there wasn't that catalyst, I guess, either. It was like, you want this thing, but do you really need it? And so if you didn't really need it, it didn't actually come because your energy wasn't behind it. Does it make sense? Oh, I definitely needed it at the time. Okay. It was very, it was very disappointing when it bombed because we really could have gotcha. used the money at the time. But I think the difference is, is that I was trying to recreate something intuition had given me naturally. Got it. It's like, it's like building a robot after you've given birth to a baby. It's <laughs> not even the same thing. It's not close at all. True. That is true. <laughs> I, I could, that is a good analogy, actually. <laughs> you can't cut it's really important Yeah. to follow those intuitive hits because that's what's going to give you the most success. For sure. Not trying to like manufacture something artificially that's not really natural. So. Yep. Yep. I will say that our intuitive hits have given us like we've got so much more success following our intuition than doing what is like conventionally supposed to be the thing to be successful. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's so key. And I think that's important for authors to to hear too. Like when you were talking, there was a point that I was going to make and I would totally spaced it out until just now. Alicia, when you were talking about um, when you were in your process of writing all the books, doing all the things, trying to have, tr- trying to bring in that monetary success and trying to, you know, feel like your work is doing something. One of the things that I think we as indie authors really got into the this mind space or this like weird cyclone was the whole like you have to be rapid releasing constantly, nonstop, all the time in order to earn a living. And I know a lot of authors got on that hamster wheel where it was like, in order to earn money. Uh, the best way to do that is to release the next book. And so they they kept trying to pick it up. And I think that's where a lot of authors trip themselves up because they have to take that downtime in order to receive the the signals or the uh, intuition or the downloads or however you want to describe it for the books that are really going to do well. Because when you're constantly going, you're that object in motion that stays in motion. And so it's not receiving anything. It's like bouncing off of you because you're constantly going. And that's one of the reasons why with Rapid Release Roadmap, the course that I created, I, I started it thinking like, I'm going to teach people how to do all these books, right? But the more mm-hmm. I was doing it myself, the more I'm like, I don't want to teach people how to do this 
type of book. (laughs) I don't want to teach people to do it like this. And so it was like trying to pull it all back. So it's like four books a year. Try try to do four books a year. You're still going forward. You're still being prolific. You're still doing your author career, but you're not dying over it. (laughs) You're not like spinning off into like some crazy town. And I think it's so key that authors, especially indie authors, because we're entrepreneurs and we're trying to do this thing and we're trying to earn money and we're trying to be creative all at the same time, we still have to have that life. We still have to allow cool, fun, beautiful things in. We still have to enjoy our relationships and manifest good health and, you know, all these good things. I think it's so important that we do that. Don't you think? Yeah, I will say, um, I don't know about Megan. She can talk to this uh, about her own experience, but the year that I was writing the most was the worst year as far as like financially successful or just success in general, because I wasn't, I was so focused on getting books out that I wasn't focused on the other things that could have made me successful. And this year we have released one book, one co-written book together. I have a solo one coming out, but so far we've only released one book and this has been both of our best profiting year. Isn't that great? That's amazing though. But you got to think too, there's probably a little bit of aspect to what you had done, all the content creation you had done in the past that's now still helping you because you've got this backlist there and it's created this almost, um, I I don't know, this is how it feels for me. So let me know if this is how it is for you, where it's like, it feels like I've proven myself that I can do this thing, right? I've got enough books in my backlist now. So I feel like I can earn more. I'm okay to earn more now. Like it's, it's okay. I I think that's what I was trying to prove to myself because I, I had this mentality that I am not successful or I'm not where I want to be because I have not proven myself. And so I have to work really, really hard to prove myself. So I actually had to detach from that mindset. I don't have that anymore. And I don't believe in proving yourself. I believe that you're already worthy. Yes. You know, I don't have to have 25 different series to be successful. So that's something I have really detached from. Good, good. (laughs) Well, holy cow, I can't believe it's been an hour. Okay, well, we'll we'll wrap this whole thing up so that you guys can get on with your day. But thank you so much for being on this podcast. I I could literally talk about this all day long. Um, We could (laughs) could talk for weeks, months. (laughs) absolutely well we'll definitely have to have you guys back on obviously okay so if my my listeners want to figure out how to find you guys what's the best place for them to go in order to see your books what you guys are up to get on your email list all those good fun things where do they go hiddenlegendsbooks.com is our co-written site we also have a facebook group that that is for our readers that's where most of our interaction happens and that is orenda academy Hidden Legends fan group. So Hidden Legends is our co-written universe. So that's where to go to find us both. Awesome. And now do you have, obviously, I'm guessing you have separate websites as well. Do you want to share those as well? Mine is aliciaradisauthor.com and Megan's is meganlinsky.com. Wonderful. Thank you, guys. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your stories. And obviously your amazing box set that's coming out. Well, it's already out, right? The box that's out, you're just, you've, yeah. you're list aiming for it and getting the whole, you've manifested the list aim. <laughs> you're getting everything <laughs> rock and rolling. That's amazing. So definitely check that out as well, guys. And uh, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Having us. It was a lot it of was fun. Awesome. Yeah, I loved you. it.
Oh my gosh, aren't Alicia and Megan just incredible? I loved speaking to both of them about not only their own writing adventures, the, the way things have transpired for them, but their attitudes and information about how manifestation has worked for both of them when they have different kinds of angles that they're coming at it, whether it be from an illness or from a disability or from a mental illness. Manifestation has such a different vibe for each of us, but it's the same kind of concept no matter who we are or what we're kind of dealing with. It's so cool that the way we manifest just gets shifted a little bit based off of how we as individuals operate. And so it's, I don't know, it's just such a fun mental exercise for me at least to think about how we're all manifesting all the time. And it doesn't, there's no one perfect right way for every single person. We're all individuals. So we manifest just a little bit differently based off of what it is we're vibing with, based off what it is that we're thinking about and just going forward for all of it. These two ladies were just so much fun to talk to. And I hope you enjoyed listening to their adventures on how they came together. That is one of my favorite stories. I just love listening to how people will find each other when you're like not really looking, you know, for a writing partner or not really looking for things. And maybe you're even vastly different. I think that's just such a fun thing to listen to. Don't you? (laughs) All right. If you would like to download the transcript to today's podcast episode, you can head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash 153. And you can download it right there. In addition, I will have the links over to the Hidden Legend books and of course to both Alicia and Megan's websites as well so that you can find them out there if you'd like to learn more about what they write, how they operate. And I'll even include a link to Write to Riches by Renee Rose since they are both featured in that book as well. I'd also like to thank both of these wonderful ladies for coming on to the podcast episode and talking with me about their experiences. It was such a blast to be able to speak with them and learn more about what they do and how they're operating as manifestors, as amazing authors. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, and I hope you enjoyed listening. And since it's still October, I hope you are getting all of your planning and prepping ready for NaNoWriMo. There's going to be plenty of NaNo speak in podcast episodes to come, so make sure you are hanging out with me on every Wednesday throughout this month. We're going to be talking an awful lot about NaNoWriMo, about prepping, and of course, we're even getting to speak with an official NaNoWriMo municipal liaison very soon. And I want you to hear all about what that aspect looks like and what they do for NaNoWriMo participants. It's going to be amazing. Get your words in, get your planning in, and go forth and start your author revolution. This podcast episode has been brought to you by four amazing people, Daphne Garrison, Tammy Tyree, Quinn Ward, and Scarlett Braden, who are Author Revolution Podcast Patreon supporters. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a patron, head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash Patreon to find out what the awesome membership levels are and what you end up getting. The Author Revolution Podcast is here to provide tips, tricks, and tools for embracing a prolific author mindset and making your dreams of becoming a full-time author a reality. In order to continue providing the quality content you've come to know and love, I would appreciate 
your support. As a one-woman show, the podcast takes a lot of time away from other tasks like writing. (laughs) Plus, your support also makes this mompreneur's heart smile. Head over to authorevolution.org forward slash Patreon.